We're going to move on to, the, uh, to John chapter 3, verse 9 through 11 is what I'm going to begin with. God is faithful. Thank you. He is faithful. But even when he's faithful, we at times may lose a little bit of our step. And the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. And let us pray for the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Your word testifies of you. It testifies of our actions, Lord, that we must follow, Lord. It teaches us how, Lord God, to treat one another, love one another. But more importantly, Lord, it teaches us how to love you the more, God, day by day. And we want, Lord God, not to forget, but we want to remember, Lord, that you are, are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And that you are the truth. And bless every heart here today and every mind and everyone who's watching through the media that they may take this word, Lord, and let it be sown into their hearts. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So here uh, we have where Jesus is speaking, speaking to Nicodemus. And he's saying, I've testified, we're talking about these things, and still you don't take it in. And then in John 3.11, it's the chapter before this, is that Jesus tells Nicodemus, and ye receive not. John, sorry, I apologize. And interestingly enough, in John 1.11 is what I meant to say. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And to receive him meant not, it was not only to receive Jesus. It was not only Jesus, but it was everything that he had said and spoken. And so the title of this message is Uncovering the Truth. And it was uh, speaking of this word, speaking of, of what I was mentioning, that God comes to seek those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And in doing this, this message is, is to help us uncover truth, not only in the Bible, but also within us. Uncovering the truth is not only by word, but also, indeed, actions speak louder than words. We have Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 through 3. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. We know that the scripture is referring to Jesus here. The Lord, he, his, his development not only physically but also spiritually. Tender plant doesn't only refer to his birth but it also refers to his kind and loving and his compassion which are all attributes of God. And as for the roots out of the dry ground... The last time I checked, it almost, almost seems like it's impossible to grow anything out of dry ground. But for God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. It simply declares to us that God can take something in any condition and do something with it. And that is even with us. But moving on to the scripture, it says, He hath no form nor, no form nor comeliness. 
And this word comeliness means that nothing was added to him. Nothing was, he didn't need, there was nothing that was there. And then it says, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And I want you to imagine that for a moment. What things that we have in our lives, people that we might not want to be hanging around at times. This is kind of the, the situation that the Bible is kind of bringing to us. It, it was kind of like that. And then it says, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's, he, he, was, he, he knew this. I'm aware of this. This is this is an everyday a everyday thing for me. It was not, it was not uh, how would you say, un, un, it, it was familiar to him. And then to finish it off, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and as we esteemed him not. And as I finished reading this scripture, I, I'll share with you. Uh, and this happens. As often as God allows it to happen. How many of us believe that when we read scripture, God allows us to see things? And and the Bible talks about every imagination. But when we read the word of God, the imagination that we get is from scripture. And it's a spiritual thought. And it's from God. And the, the imagination I believe the word is talking about is more of things of the world. But I saw this this image and this thought that came to me. And it was an image of God's creation. It was the temple out in the wilderness, and it was people. It was us. And the, the comparison was, uh, it was kind of unique. It, it was, uh, it was create, God created man in his most natural form. And, and also, in the same way, uh, God also created woman in her most natural form. He didn't add, and nor did he have to take away anything. Of course, he took the rib from man to make the woman. But still, she and he remained in that same state. As for the instruction of the temple, or she said the tabernacle, which Moses uh, was told to build out in the wilderness, to live, he led the people to, to make it in the wilderness. But in both examples, nothing was added after it was built. Nothing was added after it was built. In both examples, uh, God formed and made them nothing uh, enhanced its appearance after it was built. It was beautiful and it was perfect. As God had made them and God visited both. We know that God spoke to Adam in the garden. However, when he first visited, uh, first created man, I'm sorry. He visited man, Adam and Eve. Yet no sacrifice was needed. At least not for the, at the beginning. God would come to talk to them in the midst of the garden. And he would be with them. And as for the Lord to come to the tabernacle in the wilderness. He required a sacrifice. And I think we're all aware of that. The sacrifice of the tabernacle was necessary as the fall of man. Because of the fall of man, the sacrifice was a pleasing offering to the Lord. It was for him and not for the man. Nothing, again, was needed or needed to be added to creation to make it better. All that was needed was sacrifice. Nothing needed to be added. All we needed to do, man simply needed to give or to make A sacrifice. After the fall of man, God decided that he was going to cover man because man needed a covering. And the covering, we know, was of of an animal. As he covered them, it was for them to know that something had to die. Or at least they had an idea that something had to die. 
and in doing that, it was not something that God said, hey, I'm doing this because this is beautiful and because this is pleasing for you to see or for him to see. It was to cover them of their shame. So this covering was to cover what they had discovered what they or who they were or had become. Clothing was made to cover us of our shame or I should say sinful nature. But in the world today, we know this and we understand this, that this, it seems that more and more people uh, are willing to expose more shame instead of covering it. And in some cases, coverings may be excessive and unnecessary. So I'm not only talking about clothing, I'm going to be talking a, bit, a little bit about something else as well. And you'll kind of grasp it as I go along. And what I mean by that is that the natural covering that was covered with something that is not given by God or pleasing to him. So what I'm saying here is if something that was not given by God is a type of covering that is not pleasing to God because God didn't give it. But as for Adam and Eve, God gave a covering to cover the shame. Because of this, which is applied as a covering, it can be also dishonoring. So now every type of covering can be acceptable in the eyes of God as long as God gives it. But if it's not of God, it's displeasing. It's displeasing because it alters his creation. It alters what he made. And we become our own God when we do that. When our Lord God and Savior died on the cross, the Bible declares to us that the veil was torn in twine. The Bible declares to us as that happened, as it tore, it, it was a symbolizing, it was, it was a symbolizing that he would have, we would have access to God himself. So that his glory would shine upon our faces through the veil that was torn. Now, now it's not scriptural, but I think we get the understanding that when that veil was torn, then we had access to God. No longer would it be hid behind a thick covering. No longer would it be unexposed, but it would be accessible to every man being, every human being that would go before the mercy seat, which I believe is a good thing. God did not add to the temple, as I said earlier. If anything, he tore away. He took away that which would keep us from seeing his glory. Those who worked in the temple were a few select people. They were considered priests. But I believe if we remember and we, re we have read the scriptures in Peter, it says that we are a royal priesthood. Which then tells us that we have access into that place where originally the priests were allowed to go into. But now we have that ability. But it's only through the sacrifice. Now even though it's through his sacrifice, there still has to be a sacrificial giving of ourselves. A will. A will that pushes us and drives us towards the Lord and not away from him. When people saw Jesus, they beheld the glory of God. He was manifested in the flesh. Some received him, and as the Bible says, some did not. And even in that, God's plan did not change. What it was, he was planning to just keep going and hoping as we also hope because he doesn't force us. He waits on us. To change our mind, to make the decision that he is, he is still there and he's still waiting. He's never running away from us. He is waiting right there for us. He accomplished that which he was going to accomplish to, to give us all the opportunity to get to heaven. 
The opportunity would come with instructions, instructions of what we must do on this earth to receive, and I'm going to say the heavenly things. That's including the spiritual, the Holy Ghost. He spoke to us that he said he would give us beauty for ashes, and I made a note of this because this scripture here, and I didn't, I didn't give them, I don't believe I gave them the scripture, but as I began to think about this, if, if, we, if we think about what it is that this scripture refers to, we're, I think we'll be thankful. If we, take, if we go back and we read the scripture, we find where Jonah went to Nineveh to declare the, that God was going to destroy that city. There was something that happened to that city after he began to declare God's word. The people were at first not <clears throat> intent to hear, but then all of a sudden, things began to happen. And in the end result, we find that the people did listen. And how do we know that they did listen? Is when they began to repent before the Lord. And they put on sackcloth. And they began to put on ashes. And the ashes is a form and a, a type of repentance. They were showing their their, uh, their brokenness. And the scripture is, is well said because God will give you beauty for ashes. When you repent of all things that you've done and you know that it's wrong, God is pleased to receive them from you. He says, I see the sinful nature that you're giving to. I see the brokenness. I see what you don't want and I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to give you something beautiful. The people, in Israel, uh, again, they repented and they were able to receive, but only because they repented. If there is no repentance, there's no, there, it's, it's hard for God to give you beauty for ashes. And so they came. To, so if you can embrace the scripture and understand this meaning, you know, the, the, the meaning behind it. I think we can say that uh, not everything that is ashy is bad. But in fact, it can be good. Because when God takes it, he makes something beautiful out of it. Ashes are a significance of humility. And in saying the Jews put on ashes upon the, it was, again, I said a form of repentance and a desiring of forgiveness for what they had done. If you've ever read the story, as I said earlier, you're going to find that. They desired, they desired to be forgiven and they were able to succeed with that, but only when they did turn from their ways. But what was it that caused them to, you know, that, that they ended up in the situation after I think the Lord looked down on them, found them, and so, something within them seeped into their hearts, and they didn't realize it. It was by surprise. It was by all of a sudden it was there, but did they really not know? Or perhaps they did know. And in knowing, they still continued and carry on in it. Let's hope that we, we do know and that we respond to that. Somehow ashes seem to cover their body, their bodies that God created. It was, it was not making it beautiful. It was not making it extravagant, but making it look a little bit ashy and undesirable. And, I rem and again, I come back to the tabernacle, and I remember that the outside of the tabernacle was not the best-looking part of it. The inside was the beautiful part of it, just very much as the tender plant was the beauty of inside of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what it's declaring as the tabernacle also emphasizes things of the Lord as the outside was not pleasing, nor was Jesus himself. 
God was saying, don't look on the outside. Don't read a book by its cover. Look what's inside. Every God will come and he will forgive every individual broken, broken spirit and contrite heart. And I think we know this because the scripture teaches us this. And the idea for this was to let the glory of God to come and to be near them and forgive them of their wrongdoing. God wants to reveal his glory through you. And this is what this comes to. But if you cover it up, if you cover it up with something that is carnal, it might hinder the work of God who's trying to work through us. The idea to cover up came to mind. That's, I guess that's the best way I could describe it and that I saw it. God made you in his glory and the beauty of his thoughts. Do you know that no matter how old you get, God still thinks that you're beautiful. There's no amount of, of things that you can buy, put on yourself, or like to make yourself more beautiful than the beauty that God has made you to be right now. And in that saying, when you add things to yourself, and I'm not talking about clothing, we can sometimes cover the glory and the beauty of God. The beauty is not only clothing. It can also be attitude. It can also be uh, sometimes, you know, materialistic things. Many things that can actually cover and distort the beauty of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was, was of a humble spirit. The Bible tells us that he, he told us to, to come and learn of him. He didn't say, hey, you know, come to me and I'm going to teach you how to make money. Or I'm going to teach you how to do the No, he said, come and learn of me. Because he was meek and lowly. Meek and lowly, it's, 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 he made himself a no reputation. He says, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't need to exalt myself because my works are more than enough. And he doesn't see us any different because he made us in his image. If our views change as to what he wants to do with us, if our views change, then we distort the plan that God, God has for us. God's intentions are not to, to, to hurt us, but they are to change us for the betterment of the kingdom and for the betterment of ourselves and to allow his glory to shine from us. The veil was torn in twine to expose the glory of God. Each and every one of you, as I said earlier, is a glory unto God. If you're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you are a glory unto the Lord. You're a, shot, you're, you're a beacon. You are a, a spotlight. And in the, in the, just, this is just a, mind, uh, just a thought here. But if you begin to change the exterior parts of who you are, that God has made you to be, you will have shut the veil. And the glory of God will not be shining as bright as he had made it to be through you. The Bible says that God was not someone... Uh, of a people who he desired uh, to, to destroy, to condemn. He was, he was a God who came to save and to bring out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But in the book of Isaiah, it tells us 
But yet we find the, I'm sorry, we find the apostles, not only they, but others who came in search of him. Apologize. Isaiah clearly talks to us about who Lord, who the Lord is, and and what He came to do for, what He came to do for us. Isaiah was a prophet of the time of before the New Testament, and he was someone who would declare. Uh, not only would he declare the pres or the the, uh, the manifestation of God, but things that he would go through way before Jesus went through them. The hurting and the brokenness of the Lord was not for us to see in the past and not know about it. It was for us to recognize. But again, we weren't the Jews who were supposed to be following the scriptures uh, because we were not Jewish. But yet, we can learn from that as to what it is that God wants us to do. In saying that. Uh, sadly, the scripture tells us tells us a truth that many, and I should say it's a bad thing, it's a good thing. Many did not come for salvation, but they came for healings. And I'm jumping from one scripture. I apologize for that. We recognize that the Lord came to save and not to condemn. Uh, the, we find in scripture that Jesus uh, was uh, in the midst of people. And then he, not that he hid, but he went to a place and and the Bible says that he, he knew the hearts of the people that were out there. He knew the, the interior of them. They weren't there to find salvation. They were just there. Could you just give me a touch and just heal me? It, it, was, not, it was not because I need to, to understand what this scripture says. I need to understand that if you're the Messiah, I need to understand. It was none of that. It was just for the healing. And the Bible says that. The Lord was not pleased with that because he said, the Bible says he knew their hearts. This is why the Bible also tells us they saw these things and they testified of the miracles. And yeah, they did not believe him. These are people that that were there. And I, I wouldn't say this. The, the ones that even those that were healed, they didn't believe. I can't say that they didn't. I would have to say they did. But those that were with them, like, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it kind of looked like, you know, like it was some kind of trick. But we know that God's, God's work was not a trick. We know that it still works here today. And we know that through this manifestation, it uncovers the truth of who he is. Those, the one who uncovers the truth is a true believer. A true believer is someone who says, I serve the living God. Jesus is the Messiah. And the, the, a true believer says, I will leave my life behind and follow the one true God. And these are the people that the Lord talks about, that he comes to seek those who are, will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who have made the decision to uh, protect not only uh, what was inside, but also make the decision on what they're going to sacrifice for the Lord. They forsake the world. And they don't desire to adorn themselves, to cover the glory of God. But to let it shine bright, to let it shine bright, as I said, as bright as he made it. With a veil torn away and the glory shining brightly, beautifully on the other side. So that all can receive and obtain a relationship with him, Jesus Christ. And I'm referring to this as uh, when we are out in the midst of people and people begin to recognize us. 
it's not always going to be, uh, what's the word I can use? It's not always going to be good. There's always going to be people out there that are not going to uh, enjoy or be happy that you are a child of God. That you are seeking or that you're trying to live a certain way. And, uh, and I would give you a testimony of one that happened yesterday, but I'm going to leave it alone. Let's just say it wasn't good. But we kept our cool. And that's important. And the, one, and the only person that walked away was the, the person speaking. And we were okay. John chapter 3, verse 12 through 20. If, you have told you, if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe? If I tell you of heavenly things. A statement Jesus is making. He's talking still again to Nicodemus. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Amen? But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned, or condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. And why? Because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deed, deeds should be reproved. And so when we come to the light, and the light is the word, and the light is Jesus, and when we see our faults, and we see that we are in a broken state, when we bring it to the Lord, we're reproved. And we ask for forgiveness, and he is good to forgive us. Amen. The Bible says Jesus did not even open his mouth, and they accused him. They persecuted him. They crucified him. The Bible says that he was telling us that he was meek and lowly to take of his yoke. Yoke is easy and the burden is light, he said. God himself uncovered himself to us at the cross in humility and in death. He gave everything. He held back nothing. The veil was torn for a chance, I said earlier, to get closer to him. Even then, more now than ever. But as for us, those that have decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to continue to bring our ashes to the throne of God to receive that beauty he wants to give us. And he wants to give us peace and he wants to give us assurance, and he wants us to be okay. Musicians, that you would come, I know it's a little short. Praise God. You'll have some more fellowship after this. 
But I think I've said what the Lord wanted me to say here. If you cover up the light, if you cover up the glory of God, if we enhance it with, with, our, own, with our own doing, then the light can't shine as bright as it can. God came in his more, most natural form. He made man in his most natural form. The tabernacle was made in its most natural form, anything that was of the earth. Of course, he anointed men to build it, but still, after it was built, he didn't add any more to it. He said, I just want sacrifice. And what we need to do is give God sacrifice. Our sacrifice is praise. Our sacrifice is what we give. Our sacrifice is helping one another. And sometimes it's not saying any words at all whatsoever. Someone might say something wrong to us and we just say, I understand. And sometimes I just say, I understand. It doesn't mean that I understand and I agree. I just, I understand. Praise the Lord. Will you stand to your feet here today? And I ask you, if, if maybe not this morning, maybe, maybe during the week, if you feel it within yourself that, you know what, Lord, there are a few ashes in my life. And, Lord, I want to bring them before your altar. I want to bring them to you, Lord God, because I know you're going to give me beauty for it, Lord. And I know there's no shame in that, Lord, because the shame is in the ashes. And if I give you these ashes, God, you're going to bless me with some peace. You're going to give me strength. It's going to be a praise unto you. It's going to be a glory unto you, Lord. Lord, let us look at you, Lord God. Let us, let us, when we are at that moment, Lord, where we can't find ourselves back to you or we can't find it to say the words, Lord, remind me of the time of, of those in Scripture that said, I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Oh, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to follow you. We serve a God that delivers. Amen. You lift your hands unto the Lord right now and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus.